is finally here for Chris, Cindy, and JC. It's going to be the best night of their lives. But tonight is also the night of the creeps. From a world unknown comes a nightmare unimaginable. First, they are under you, around you, on you, and then inside you. They get into your mouth, and you walk around while they incubate, even if you're dead. They are a new breed of terror. They are a different kind of horror. Zombies, exploding heads, creepy crawlies. We could have a little problem. The creeps are taking over. I got good news and bad news, girls. The good news is your dates are here. What's the bad news? They're dead. You have never had a night like this. Night of the creeps. If you scream, you're dead. David, I love tormenting you at this time of year. Is this, is this not your favorite time of year right now? Yeah, yeah, my favorite. Absolutely. <laughs> I uh, the, the weather changes, and the clouds are changing, and the sun is setting earlier, and, you know, there's just such great things in media all over the place. It's like my favorite stuff. The fall... The fall in, at Recon Cinema Studios is just one of the, the most special times, you know, other than Christmas. Yeah. Uh, it's really special on the lot. The leaves, the, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's just a, you know, and you're the caretaker of the lot. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, you've got to, I make you sweep up those leaves all the time. They keep falling and you got to keep raking them up. Yeah. Actually, wait, give me a second. I got to take my jumpsuit off if we're going to record. I just... Okay. I'm filthy from all the the landscape. Oh shoot! I think we're I think we're actually rolling. Oh, sh- oh okay. All right, I'll just leave it on. Oh, we should just let's just okay. let's just go. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm prepping. I'm prepping the lot. We're getting it going. It's it's looking it's looking very fall. Okay, good. Well, and it is uh, it's Shocktober. Welcome back yeah. to Reconcinimation, everybody. I am John Diner. And I'm David Munchak. And uh, we are joined once again by one of our very favorite guests, the director of the Voorhees Institute. It's Brent Hutchins. Hey there, guys. Good to be back. Always, always awesome to be on the podcast with you. Hey, pal. <laughs> and we're happy you can uh, make it. What have you been up to over there? It's it's been a, it's been a minute since you've been on with us. What? Uh, I haven't been up to much. It's been uh, a little bit stir crazy. Everything's been kind of locked down, so we've, uh, you know, mm-hmm. like just uh, like the rest of you guys, getting ready for the fall and making sure that our that our Halloween decorations are up, and you know, making sure that all the the haunted artifacts are are kept in in secure places. You're keeping them safe, right? You're not letting you know like things spill onto them, and maybe creating like some sort of weird monster. Or I mean, a horror beast, or you know, you're keeping everything secure, right? I mean, 
full disclosure, yeah, there are times where I will release an artifact or or something into the public just to create some chaos to keep things kind of fresh and exciting. But that's that's uh, yeah. not very often. That's that's you know, we only did that a couple times. <laughs> I hate you. Only did it like last fall, right? That, Sometime last fall was the most recent one. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Cool. Well, you know, you mission accomplished. Uh, the world's crazy, and uh, we have the Voorhees Institute to thank for that, I guess. Yeah, don't send all your <laughs> fan mail at once. <laughs> um, as long as you don't release any, like, beings from a cryogenic chamber, you know, we'll probably be okay. No, no. I think I think we'll talk a little bit more about that uh, in, in yeah. a minute, and, you know... Uh, lesson learned from watching this movie. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, everybody, you know, stay tuned. This is the beginning of Shocktober here at Reconcinimation. So mm-hmm. we've uh, we've got an increased uh, number of episodes for this month as we have for the last two years. And uh, it's it's a really fun lineup this year. I'm really excited about it. It's, it's different. It's different than we've done before. I try to change it up every year and not just go you know, all, all the same direction over and over. So stay tuned. You guys are going to see very soon what, what the other episodes are. So, so uh, we're going to have a good time with that. But today is a very, as an, an, another special episode <clears throat> for this is a, uh, we're going to take a look back at the career or the early days of the career of Fred Decker. Are you guys, where do you guys stand on, on Fred Decker? Oh boy. Um, uh, I'm I, I would say mostly indifferent. <laughs> um, but excluding this movie, maybe. So what we're going to talk about today? But uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, Fred Decker, he's a good guy. <laughs> yeah, I would say I would. Ryan, what about you? Well, what? I would I would say that there, it's a mixed bag. There are a handful of his movies that I enjoy and and find uh very at this point nostalgic i'm very nostalgic about and then there are some of his Mm -hmm. movies where um you know i i'd rather just never see them again yeah he's kind of he's really interesting because he's especially in the early films he's very you know you can tell there's a lot of passion in his in his in his movies but you know we'll get into the details but because those didn't go so well you know, his directing career was kind of all over the place and he was much more well-established as a writer. But um, we are going to talk about his very first film today, which is Night of the Creeps. Cue the creeps. creepy music right now. <laughs> <laughs> what was the, uh, you know, I have to admit, I am the, relatively new to this movie. I, I've heard about it forever, but... Uh, I've only recently seen it all the way through, which is is a, a surprise even to myself. Because you usually see all the movies. You you've seen. I them. usually see them all, every one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this one slipped by. And uh, but what about you guys? When was the first time, uh, Brent? When was the first time you you heard of Night of the Creeps or saw Night of the Creeps? Okay, so that's two different timelines. But I, oh. I will say that the first <laughs> time that I heard of Night of the Creeps, I mean, was was in my childhood every time i'd go to the movie store to rent some kind of movie i remember the vhs cassette uh cover you know with the with the boyfriend looking in from the window like i 
Mm. I remember it pretty, pretty, pretty vividly. But uh, to be honest, I uh, didn't see this movie similar to you until uh, myself about six days ago was the first time that I saw this movie. And um, wow, yeah, it's crazy. I can't believe it. And I am m- so mad at young me for not having seen this movie sooner because uh <laughs> if i if i had this would probably live uh, uh you know in the on the pedestal with with all of the other favorite kind of niche horror movies that i like from that time in my life i'm so surprised to hear that because i i could have swore that you would have seen it in uh, back at uh, our college days at the College of Santa Fe, R.I.P. Yeah, how does I mean R.I.P. for sure, respects. Uh, but how do we how do we let that? I don't. I'm kind of disappointed in us. Like, how do we let that slide? I I don't know. We're gonna. We guess we're gonna have to go back in time. Yeah. Let's hit the. There's only one way to fix that. Yep. All right. I'm gonna go get the get- flux capacitor. We're jumping in the old DeLorean. Let's do this. There we go. You guys are like. I, um, this is like oh it, it, next you're gonna tell me you've never seen Return of the Jedi or something and you're just like I just missed have it. Not. I have not. I've never it. even heard of it. What is that movie? <laughs> Return of Return of the what? The what now? Star what? <laughs> what? What's a Jedi? You said. <laughs> now, David, I imagine from you know just knowing you so well mm. and uh, knowing the kinds of films you're into. You're also going to be, and and being that's your angle on this show is the way we take a look back at, at these older films and and see how they hold up. You're coming from the perspective of mostly not having seen these films. Yeah. Um, are were you uh, new to this one as well? Yeah, I I have no recollection of this movie existing. Um, I was thinking like if back in the '80s, if I was going through the video store, you know, to rent something, and I'm going through not the the new releases. But going through like all the stuff, this just based on the the name and the cover of the of the thing, which I think I looked up which which cover you were mentioning, Brett, um, the guy with the roses and the window and all that. That's right. I, this yep, would have the one. This would have been like bottom seven or eight thousand movie of <laughs> like me picking up based on name and look alone like absolutely not like this is just not even a blip in the radar so uh yeah no i hadn't seen this movie until uh you know this you know in preparation for this episode uh yeah this is uh, this was not never even heard of it no no clue yeah not on the munch radar no no like most things <laughs> but yeah <laughs> Um, yeah, well, the, it's funny that you said that too, Brent, because the poster is the first thing I remember too. Oh, but yeah. I remember both. I, I know there's a few different posters for this movie, um, but I remember as a kid seeing both the one that you described with the boyfriend in the window uh, and then the one with the two of them, uh, Jason Lively and, and Jill Whitlow, you know, on the steps of the of the frat house, you know, with the flamethrower and the gun. But they're both kind of drawn drawn posters Mm. so uh i remember seeing both of those images and as a kid i remember being fascinated like what's this movie but then it and we'll explain why it happened but the movie disappeared forever uh and i didn't see it i barely remember hearing anything at all about it and i'm surprised too that our uh 
our good friend from college, uh, Cowboy Mike, uh, did not reintroduce this movie to us. I was just um, thinking the same thing. I was, I, I literally was going to mention that just a second ago and didn't. Yeah. Well, I, I think it, this was like at the time this movie was so far removed from everything. It it hadn't like its comeback didn't happen till almost ten years ago. So it was really just like it, even the VHS was kind of hard to find. Right. Unlike Near Dark, where where that VHS was more readily available, um, this one just wasn't. So well, this movie was really was close to just not existing anymore. Well, I mean, did it ever like I don't it's, I know we're going to get into like box office and how it was received and everything. But I feel like even as a kid, because like I always gravitated towards the horror movies as a kid that I heard about. Right. Like you would hear about mm-hmm. Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, you know, even crazy shit like chopping mall like you would hear about it and you'd be like oh i want to see that this one was crickets like i didn't hear about it at all i always saw the cover and i always remember seeing it and i just never was drawn to it because there was zero word of mouth or zero conversation going on about it at all in my world and so it just never i just never took a chance to to take a look at it and i feel like man if i had damn Missed out on an opportunity there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it just wasn't, there was no buzz about it. Even on, like, uh, what was it, Joe Bob Briggs, like, on, on his, right. like, late night show. I, I don't even, I mean, obviously, this is definitely a movie up his alley. Yep. Uh, and I'm sure he did play it, but it wasn't, you know, I, I don't remember it being on that too often. But, uh, yeah, I didn't see it till, I saw it, let me see, I think it was, like, it was over a Christmas break. I want to say in 2012 or 13. Um, I was, <laughs> this is, I don't know why I remember it so vividly, but I do. Uh, we, the family and I rented a house in Palm Springs for Christmas, you know, Christmas break. And uh, I, I was staying with the kids in, a, in like one of the guest rooms where I was putting the kids to bed. And they were really young at the time and they were, you know, like fell asleep kind of on me <laughs> and I had the TV remote and I'm just like, well, I guess I'm not moving from here. So just going through the channels and it was super late at night and uh, and I came across, I think it was the woodshed scene and or, or just before it and it was like, what on earth is this movie? And that was the first time I was, I looked it up like Night of the Creeps. Oh my God, this is that movie that I remember the poster of. Uh, but then I didn't see it all the way through till just fairly recently in researching it for this show. So, uh, yeah, totally, all of us, totally new to the movie. Yeah. How about that? Crazy. Wow. That's I never, never happened, right? That. Is that, that's like the first time ever. <laughs> yeah. Especially. I think that's a Recon Cinema record. Yeah. So I guess we have nothing Especially... to talk about. We should just wrap it up. <laughs> <laughs> but like, yeah, I, that, this just surprises me that this, yeah, like, I mean, it's kind of incredulous that, you know, or I'm kind of incredulous over that you've never like that it never happened. So I'm I'm very excited that you guys are like brand, basically brand new to it too. This is fun. Well, I'm kind of like now I'm I'm getting I went out of a horror phase for a long time, and now I'm trying to come back to especially '80s horror mm-hmm. and kind of fill in the blanks of like stuff that I missed. And now this movie, this movie is so there's so much love for this movie now. Like I, I, we got to cover it, and I got to I got to got to talk about it so yeah. 
Yeah, is it? Um, is it? Is it, is what, it? Has it reached like? Is it kind of like cult status now? Is that the thing? Like, is absolutely? That... Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah, yeah. This is um, you know uh, the Alamo Draft House like does a, a thing for this movie every so often, and um, it, it was really after it hit DVD that it got rediscovered because I think there was actually some, you know, the DVD was pushed a little bit, so you know a, a lot of people came back to it, and and otherwise it was like really the like most hardcore of horror fans were the ones who really knew about it. But, um, you know, this movie is, it's such an interesting movie. I mean, it's this weird mix of, you know, an ode to like fifties B movies, but wrapped in the blanket of an eighties, like John Hughes kind of a thing. I I mean, mean, you've got, you, (laughs) yeah, this movie, this movie is all over the, in the first like 25 minutes, this movie's all over the place, right? Like, I mean, it's, it's it it is it, to your point it's exactly it's like this old like invasion from mars like alien flick then there's this crazy like 50s very plan b from outer space kind of kind of vibe going on and then and then kind of that now looking back kind of classic 80s um pop sort of sort of um aesthetic you know so it's like all over the place yeah it's, they they hop around quite a bit right there in the first the first i said 25 but probably 10 15 minutes yeah yeah i mean you've got aliens zombies axe murderers like zombie dogs like there there's a lot happening in this movie <laughs> yeah it's everywhere it's everything you could possibly put into a movie they were like yeah let's throw it in there why not let's go I, David, I wish I could have seen your face watching this movie because sometimes that might be the most interesting part to me. Oh yeah, <laughs> my reaction to it. You know the <laughs> yeah the, the yeah the opening to this whole thing is is wild. Like the just the the setup to everything, um, and I am I am just blown away how like how much I thought it was well done. Like thought everything really worked. Like. That all this mashing of everything, uh, it, it, you know, especially in the beginning, like I mean, it, that alien spaceship, those hallways, and it's you know, it's little people in these like short hallways running, like it's that, and it, right. it's such mm-hmm. a, and that gross like eighties uh, like alien aesthetic design, like, and I'm like, am mm-hmm. I like what the hell am I watching? It's like the Ghoulies. Is this like the yeah. the, the the is it? Is it the munchie? Is it the munchies, or is that was that was that a? Yeah, a, 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 <laughs> that's one of them. That's yeah. one of them. Yeah, wasn't there critters? <laughs> like yep. critters is like another all one. All of yeah. the above. That's... <laughs> all these movies I would You're z- a never thousand. watch. I'm a bat in a thousand. And then to yeah to launch it into like like a fifties like it, to me it was like you know like I was a teenage werewolf or something kind of mm-hmm. like fifties thing and i don't know and yeah and and then to go into like i feel like i was about to watch like back to school like it was the 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 the, like that 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 whole 80s aesthetic where it's just a couple of losers talking about getting women and figuring out their lives and it's like what the hell is this what the hell is this this is amazing yeah um but i I was i was in from minute one i mean 100 percent 100 percent in which i'm just very surprised by (laughs) Yeah, it's really, um, <clears throat> excuse me, it's kind of jar- jarring a little bit of wh- when it goes from this alien spaceship to the 1950s and then boom, you're suddenly within, you know, 10 minutes, you're in the 80s. It's like, where, what is happening and where are we? Yeah, 
but like, I like that it, it it only reserves that like that craziness just like for that beginning part you know like uh, th- all those mm-hmm. inter- it, like it just settles you in like okay now we're we're stuck in the 80s and then we've set up all this other stuff for you to like just kind of keep moving forward so I'm glad mm-hmm. it wasn't like a lot of jarring back and forth yeah uh, yeah it's a nice yeah, slow build sure. once you get to the 80s yeah, the alien stuff, you know, they got a little bit of a bookend going on at the beginning and the end, but yeah, it, it yeah. doesn't really play into the movie at all. Like, you could absolutely cut those parts out and it would be, it would still work. But the fact that they're in there is kind of part of what makes the whole thing fun because it's just like, it's a it's a wild ride going <laughs> from the the inside of that ship where it's, you know, it's very sci-fi to now all of a sudden it's, you know, June Cleaver, leave it to Beaver fifties, uh, you know, with the music and everything and the, and the kind mm-hmm, of, yeah. the the car hops and all that. And it's, you know, I mean, I'm just like, <clears throat> this is interesting and, and mm-hmm. certainly immediately set the tone, if, at least for me that, that, Oh yeah, this movie, I a hundred percent understand if it hasn't been why it should be, uh, on the cult classic list because, more people need to be watching this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with both you guys. And it's it really is. It's just, it's fun. I mean, it's it's one of those, like, I don't know if you'd put it with, like, Evil Dead 2, but I don't. I just had a good time watching this movie, yeah. and it never felt too heavy. It, and, David, you're right. Like, it's well done. I mean, it's well put together. Yeah, it's silly, and it's crazy, and in the context of when it came out in 1986, I can understand why uh, people didn't take to it. But looking back on it, it just, I think it holds up really well. Spoiler alert. I like the movie. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, let's talk a little bit about Fred Decker and kind of how he got, who he is and how he got to this movie. Um, Fred Decker is a, screenwriter and director who's I think most famously known as a partner of Shane Black's and um, you know they did a lot of projects together even if it was just screenwriting together Um, the uh, he went to USC uh, he was roommates with Shane Black but he was not actually a film major so you know all of his he he loved making films since he was like 12 years old but he didn't get in the film department and and, you know, Brent, we knew people like that at school who just loved it but couldn't make it through the film department for whatever reason. Yep. But Fred Decker stuck with it. And obviously, you know, it's mostly worked out for him. But, um, yeah, he was uh, and he loved the 50s B movies, you know, those B sci-fi, you know, horror movies uh, of that decade. And and you can tell here. I mean, you can feel that he's got a passion for it. Yeah, Definitely. For sure. I mean, it's it's uh, the nuance for a lot of the stuff that he had done, at least in that one small bit, was was you know obviously done with a lot of care. Hmm. Yeah, and I think he wanted to film the whole movie in black and white originally. So mm-hmm. I'm glad he didn't do that. But uh, you know, that was would have been even more of an homage to that. Yeah. Um. He. So this idea kind of came from a couple of places. Like he knew he he wanted to make a film and he the the first idea that came to him was the line thrill me. <laughs> which is like I think it's my favorite line of the movie. But, yeah. Um 
he just had this vision in his head of this old-fashioned detective, you know, who's kind of like over everything and that that's his kind of catchphrase. And then just, you know, he had a short film that he had made uh, that was about like time travel and, and the two main characters in that were these guys, Chris and JC. So he took those characters and this idea and kind of just built from there and like well why would this guy why would this cop be here and what is he investigating and how did that murder happen and and so it kind of just expanded and i think his his mind just kind of you know went a little wild with it but but he's able to keep it you know relatively wrangled in it's amazing to me that he starts with that line and like that to <laughs> Like he basically built the whole movie starting from that moment, like the thrill me, mm-hmm. like, and then to decide what kind of guy is that to say that kind of thing yeah. all the time, and what world is it? And then he, you know, and he gravitated toward the stuff he loved, and just like, and I, th- and it's like it's not even just so reverent and homage. It's like it's it's outright like theft in a sense, and it's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> like he yeah. he does it so like. You know, I, I appreciate that filmmakers, like, you know, honor, like, filmmakers who came before and all of that. And But it's, sometimes it gets a little, like, much, like, the, like putting 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 these, female, these people up on, like, pedestals or something. But, like, taking the actual, like, style and schlock of the old stuff and saying, yeah, no, that's, like, that's in the movie. We're doing that. Like, this is, this is good shit. This is fun. Um, and then just handling it, like, the way... He, he the way he handles it i don't know it's 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 fascinating to me that that it actually works like starting from that little nugget of a a line and then building a whole story that crams everything in it's completely well and 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 tom atkins the guy playing the detective like he sells it you know i mean every scene that dude's in is uh i mean he's just like chewing the scenery the whole time like milking it he is he is over the top in all the all the right ways uh, for for this f- film, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Tom, Tom Atkins is a, is a an amazing actor and a horror kind of icon these days. Yeah, yeah. He keeps the whole movie together from from that. I don't know. From, I mean, he's it's it is like a bunch of parallel action going on before everybody kind of meets up and stuff. But um, because even the kids who are I guess are the technical I guess I mean who's the main character is it is it is it Cameron or is it the the guy I th- I think it's I think it's really Chris yeah. I, I think he's really the yeah. main guy but but uh Ray Cameron is is you know right behind him yeah yeah like they're the they're the main team I guess so it's uh I I enjoyed I enjoyed everyone in this movie too I know we're not even talking about cast but I'm just like yeah, I think it, it because Atkins sells it so well, that character, that nugget of what it is, like you you're you're on board with everything you're seeing. So right. yeah, Decker right. yeah. it's an execution of Decker's vision is 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 a lucky lucky thing, fortunate thing. Yeah, well we're we're talking about it. We're talking about the actors, so let's just go all the way with it. Let's talk about uh let's start with Tom Atkins. Right. Okay. Uh Tom Atkins was, I guess in this point, he was, you know, he'd been around a little while. I think his first role was in uh, 1968 in The Detective. Uh, that is, that is, if you recall, the Frank Sinatra movie, which is <clears throat> in ways a 
Die Hard prequel, one could say. One could draw that that line, I guess. Oh, right, right. Um, We talked about that way back in year one in our Die Hard episode, which you can listen to in the archives, www.reconcinemation.com. But yeah, by this point, he had done a lot of horror movies. He was mostly known as a... You know, he's a John Carpenter guy. He was in The Fog as one of the leads, and then he had a smaller role in Escape from New York, but those are very memorable roles. Mm-hmm. Um, he uh, usually played, I think, like 90% of the time he played a cop. Yeah. That, that, looking back at his roles, he, he was a cop in so many things. He's, he's... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, even after this. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, I remember him also in like Bob Roberts, where he's a doctor, and you know he does he does occasionally. I guess he's a doctor in Halloween three, but um, uh, yeah, it's he's he's uh, mostly known as a cop. He's got that gravitas. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he definitely he fits, feels fits he feels the part. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he plays uh, Detective Ray Cameron, who is. And I guess, yeah, in a way, like, this is sort of the Ray Cameron story because the first part of the movie, that's that's his backstory that you're seeing. So, right. yeah. um, you know, you are getting his overall arc and, and what happens with his character. But I loved Ray Cameron. I thought he was one of the most fun, like, movie cops that I've seen. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's great. He's very entertaining, very over-the-top, very... Like I was saying, you know, just very, um, he chews it up, man. Like he's, he's just like milks every moment of screen time that he, that he got. And he's in mm-hmm. a lot of it. So it's, you know, yeah. it's, it certainly is no stretch of the imagination to, to, to think that this movie is more the Ray Cameron story than it is anybody else's for sure. <laughs> yeah. They all, they could have called it that the Ray Cameron story. That, <laughs> that's it. That would have sold. <laughs> I think it's interesting too because he he's such like he's such a good actor that he's he plays it all everyone's playing it straight like including him and he's the you know he's the straightest of them. I mean he's, yeah he's making a meal out of every scene but you know it's not like none of they're not hamming it up you know like this is just a a wild wild ride they're all on so you can kind of see because all the other cops around him are complete idiots. Like, <laughs> or, you know, they allude yeah. to that. Like the, <laughs> the one corner guy or whatever is just like making yeah. jokes and he's just like, he doesn't have time for any of that. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> you know, I, I love, I love that. Like he's, you know, and, and there's, it's weird. Like he's surrounded by like detective novels and, and stuff like that. And he's reading, he's reading Dashiell Hammett and, and uh, mm-hmm. Raymond Chandler and stuff like that. So he's like, that all these things that make it really obvious like you know there you even have a shot of him like sleeping under a, a ceiling fan you know and the ceiling fans like above yeah. him like this like well the seriousness of his character. and it, his apartment too like looks like an old time detective's office yeah yeah exactly like i mean it looks it. it yeah go ahead sorry yeah like yeah he's living in that that style of that that character right yeah, absolutely. I mean, he is that. He's that essentially a modernized version of that old gumshoe detective. Yeah. And in in the in the 80s and it I mean, he even drives what that old car that like 50s car. 
uh, that doesn't right. fit with the rest of you know the, the yeah. cars in the movie. It was the first thing I noticed, yeah. like or not the first thing, but like that really stood out that he's he's driving like this cherry, um, you know, old old style uh, like Studebaker or something like that, or I don't know what it is. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, well, not- and his character is so messed up too. I yeah, mean, he's he's, like- he's got you know he's cynical. He's stuck in the past. Obviously, like once you learn his backstory. He's he's never gotten past that. I mean, he's still like got he pulls out the newspaper clippings and he's, you know, as we learn throughout the movie, like he's technically solved this murder. Like he knows who did it and he took care of it, but he's still like obsessed with it and he just can't move on. Yeah, he's very much frozen in time in that in that moment where where, you know, he he lost the girl that he loved. Right. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. um, yeah, and it and it plays really well even as even as we flash to the eighties. Yeah, and the, the whole you know the whole backstory of of you know see because in that flashback, like he's not even really in it that much, but you realize that he's sort of I don't know he's not necessarily that he's even telling that story. It's just we're we're learning it, um, you know where the. Uh, with, with the axe murderer who he then the axe murderer who kills his girlfriend while she's waiting for her boyfriend who's pulled over uh, to investigate this alien artifact that's crashed so you've got like a couple of things going on here um, and then <laughs> it's just like which is, it's which all, is all the whole the movie place. there's a couple of things going on there for sure yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, Tommy Atkins was just great. It, it was that was such a solid move to get him for this part, and and you know he says this is his favorite part that he's ever played, and and uh, you know his favorite movie. So he loves this. I love that. I love that he loves it read, so much. I read somewhere. Um, I don't know if it was him though. Someone from the cast was saying that that they were talking about doing a sequel, but it sounds like that was just wishful thinking. Like they threw it out there hoping that there would be a bite, but I don't know that it actually uh, would ever happen. Yeah. I don't think, um, I don't know. I mean, maybe you could, yeah, I'm, I'm sure you could, you probably could do it now, especially cause there's so much love for it, but yeah. I don't know if Fred Decker like has a real idea of what the sequel would be because I mean, you want Tom Atkins in the sequel. Mm-hmm. You need Tom Atkins. Yeah. And, you know, if you've seen the director's cut, which is, I believe, the version we've all seen, and we'll talk about all the different versions of the endings, but uh, you wouldn't have Tom Atkins in the sequel. So right. Yeah, I didn't even know there were multiple endings until just, like, probably 20 minutes before we sat down to record this. <laughs> so I would, li- I would yeah. actually like to hear what the other endings are. I will share the one that I saw, and I want to see how very clue the movie this is where there's alternate endings all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. All right, cool. We'll get there. Um, let's talk about the rest of the cast for a minute. Jason Lively, who plays uh, Chris Romero. Uh, does everybody know him? I mean, he hadn't at the time done a lot, but uh, I mostly remember him from National Lampoon's European Vacation. That's yeah, right. That's really only where I recognize him from. Um, yeah. I'd seen that movie a, a number of times. So did, that he was plays, that. He plays. Was that Rusty, before right? this movie? Yeah, he played Rusty. Was that before this? Yeah, movie that or was after. 
I but yeah, it was before. I think that came out in '85, and this is '86. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, and it's funny because he, I don't think Jason Lively is really that amazing of an actor. No offense to him. Um, you know, as I was going through this movie, I was like, I don't, I don't think he's like that great of a performer, but I really like this character. Like he was really likable. Well, yeah, because yeah, like was... Rusty's kind of an asshole in European Vacation. I yeah, mean, but and like the, and that was the contrast. So like watching this, I was like, I like, I kind of like Chris. Like the whole the whole way through, he's not and and not. I don't know. Yeah, I think I think he did really well. So at least I can tell there's a difference between the two characters very much. He's he's really good. He's great. He's really funny. But like, yeah, there there are so many moments in this movie, and I like this is part of why I think it's like great cult movie type type stuff where it's like you know i mean he sees he sees um uh what's the what's the female lead's name uh jill whitlow jill whitlow so he sees her from across the way and he tells his little buddy i think i'm in love you know i mean it's so like (laughs) it's so greatly like perfect so 80s for 80s like you know maybe 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 it needed to marinate for 30 years before before it became super popular because now you you watch it and it's like all those little moments are very uh they're classic but they're you know you watch them with today's kind of um um mentality and you know like they're just it's Mm -hmm. funny it's like comedy gold yeah well you know this is obviously like was never intended to be a pure scary horror movie Mm -hmm. and i think what the problem was is that tristar when uh you know the movie was ready to come out like they were pushing it as a pure horror movie and that's not what it is Mm -hmm. so i I don't think in the 80s they were ready to they didn't have the perspective to appreciate the comedy element introduced inside of a horror movie i don't think studios knew what to do with that yet right Oh yeah, yeah this is way ahead of its time. Yeah, I mean they've all they've seen the success of what a pure horror movie can be, so it's like they I think they just erred on that that side of like, well, that gets a certain number of tickets sold, a certain number of kids go to see like straight up horror or whatever. So, yeah, it's kind of like a bad marketing bad marketing step for this. Unfortunately, cuz that this this was a lot more fun than any of any of those horror movies as far as I'm concerned. Well, right. And I mean, nobody was making like horror comedies at the time, right? I mean, I guess, was it Return of the Living Dead? That was kind of campy as well. And when was that? Was that before before or after this? That was before this as well. Yeah. And Evil Dead 2, I think, was right around the same time, maybe a little bit after this. But that's like a different kind of like horror comedy. That's really dark and like, I don't know. Like, it's a different, for me, like, this is kind of like, tongue-in-cheek lighthearted mm-hmm. kind of yeah. kind of comedy you know like more innocent whereas like when you talk evil dead evil dead 2 great movie but super dark super twisted like mm-hmm. funny yes but you got to be kind of like sitting off center a little bit to find find all the humor you know and uh mm-hmm. this is this is like this is like june cleaver's um you know zombie flick it's it's kind of you know it's i don't know it's just it seems more like soft but it's great yeah 
June Cleaver meets John Hughes meets Aliens meets Zombies. Yeah, yeah. meets the Reanimator meets <laughs> yeah. Pet Cemetery meets. I mean, it's like <laughs> anything and everything you would like to throw in there. Let's sprinkle a little bit of that. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's funny because when when he wrote uh, when Decker wrote this script and she started shopping it around, it sold very quickly. It was a it was a pretty you know for a, a period of time it was a hot script. Hmm. Wow, really? Yeah, and I think I, I just think the studio must have misunderstood it from the get go because on on the on paper I could see this coming across much more as a pure horror movie mm-hmm. because it's you know a lot of the comedy is in the way he shot it and the way it's cut together, um, you know, and the performances and just reading it on the page. I could see a studio just understanding it that way. Like, oh, okay, yeah, this is a, an homage to the 50s horror movies. We Nobody's done that yet. This is going to be, this is, and it's, you know, a, a zombie slasher thing. So, you know, this is going to be big. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, mm-hmm. and it's, a, it's kind of an homage to just filmmakers in general. I mean, like, if you look at some of these characters' names, like Chris Romero, Ray Cameron, Cynthia Cronenberg, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. Detective Landis. Sergeant Raimi, yep. like every everybody's yep. like a famous director or or an up and coming director that you know that the that that has a has a name in this movie, and so uh, you know obviously he's he's got a kind of a a love for filmmaking, and you know just you know obviously I think was very playful when he put this all together. Hmm. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Uh, yeah. There's a couple others too. I mean, there's. Corman's got a few mentions. I think it's Corman University yep. and uh, Carpenter and and to- uh, Toby Hooper as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's a, a, a loving homage to all those uh, all those folks. And um, but just real quick, uh, the rest of the cast: uh, Steve Marshall as JC, who's Chris's best friend. Um, Great sidekick. Interesting. Classic sidekick. Yeah. I, classic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't. Uh, I don't really recognize him from anything. Uh, I don't either. Yeah, I think this was new. I think he did some TV stuff after this, but uh, this is probably, you know, now especially this is probably his biggest movie. Yeah, he was kind of oh, my yeah. favorite of of the group too, and I'm surprised he hasn't popped up more. But he definitely reminded me a lot of, like the sidekick and Fright Night and things like that. But it was mm-hmm. he. Uh, yeah, I'm surprised he wasn't in more. Yeah, and it was interesting that, you know, they gave him, uh, you know, like a physical disability, but he, you know, they never really talk about it, right? I don't think they right. even, like, bring that up. Right. It's, like, it's mildly mentioned in his, like, quest for love or something like that, but it's not. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of used as an excuse for his, his like, lack of confidence. Um, exactly. As a um, but right. that, that's you know, but it's not like his struggle as a, someone with his, whatever his uh, ailment might be. Um, yeah, that that's not really the subject. So he, uh, it, it was it it colors him though pretty nicely. It's, he's not just the wisecracking like goofball that's with the heart of gold who's smart, but he's all you know he's he's got this little they like they create a physical like difference uh, between that kind of character just by adding that that flavor. Um, without mm-hmm. it making it like a hindrance to 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 him otherwise but it's kind of a yeah. cheap way to like set where to to like use his like to demonstrate where his lack of confidence comes from 
Um, but yeah. I mean, in terms of movies in the eighties, like that's, that's kind of what you're going to get with that kind of thing, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, differently abled people are not quite portrayed that flattering back then. So this is, yeah. uh, yeah. a different, you Except know, in silver but, bullet, which you guys covered. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's in the archives. It's, <laughs> But yeah, I liked I like JC a lot. He's a lot of fun. I I I yeah. wished a better fate for him. I like did you, I, did you... I like that. Oh, go ahead, Brent. I like that. Whatever magic matches he found on the bathroom floor could just basically graze one of the slithering alien <laughs> slugs, and they would explode into a pussy mess. I uh, yeah. <laughs> I think that that was pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. He got real lucky there. Yeah. Did you kind of get like there's uh, some kind of relationship, like maybe a like a homosexual subtext to Chris and JC at all? Maybe from JC. I kind of like it. But I, I mean, in, yeah. Well, yeah. Like maybe like he's a little bit in love with Chris. I mean, there's definitely uh, I think some of that in the dorm room scene where they have a pillow fight, like that. You know, like, yes. Like yeah. some of that dialogue and just like kind of, you know, like obviously there's a love there between the two of them, a friendship I'm sure is what they were talking about in the in the movie. But yeah, I mean I think it's kind of hinted yeah. at a little bit. Yeah, I mean I don't even know if it's like conscious a conscious thing. It's just it's the way it came out and I, you know there's something about it that that jumped out at me when I saw it. I'm like I think he maybe has a little bit of a thing for Chris. I could see I I could see that as a reading of it, but it's it, it this always comes up when there's like oh these two male characters seem closer than they should be or something like that. I'm not saying it's a, mm-hmm. a bad interpretation, but it's just sort of like you know can two two can two males young males like be close without it being like well are they gay for each other? <laughs> like, but I understand like yeah, yeah. it's worth it's a question worth posing just as a reading of the character for sure um but i i don't think i don't think it's intentional or part of the i don't think there's this i don't think it's an intentional subtext i think it's it's really open right. to interpretation yeah i know i agree i and I, but i like how it's just i like how it's just a thing that might be out there it's and they like decker didn't make like a big deal out of that yeah. either you know like, he didn't make it like a real question it's just one of those that gives it some depth to the characters sure yeah yeah. it's subtle it's subtle it's not it's not like you know nightmare on elm street 2 it's it's (laughs) yeah i was just thinking (laughs) it's subtle yeah that one is pretty in your face about it i have to watch that one yeah we'll get it yeah we'll have to do the podcast for that at some point yeah we'll have yeah we're we're gonna not this month right not in Shocktober. Not this. Shocktober. We would never cover Nightmare on Elm Street in Shocktober. <laughs> that doesn't make any kind of sense. That's a, clearly a May <laughs> type of movie. That feels like an an April May kind of movie. Yeah, that's a springtime. <laughs> um, Jill Whitlow plays Cynthia Cronenberg, who you know she was kind of all over the place in the '80s. She was in uh-huh. Porky's and Mask, and uh, she was also in Weird Science. And she's coming off a movie called Thunder Run, and and then kind of goes into TV after this, and is in in various shows. But I think she was great in this. She's adorable and uh, totally you know a great kind of female lead for the movie. 
Yeah. Yeah. I would really like her. Yeah, for sure. In this. And she becomes, you know, she becomes a badass. Like at the end, it's her with the flamethrower. Yeah, you know, you she kind of, she, she yeah. kind of becomes Ripley-ish. She is like, <laughs> yeah. she is definitely a badass toting the flamethrower around, torching zombies. Man, that was she was yeah. awesome. Yeah. She's wearing a prom dress. She's the like the yeah. the head of her sorority, and she's <laughs> you know shooting zombies with <laughs> the flamethrower. It's insane. Uh, it's it's. It's funny that like yeah like when Chris like it's so that eighties cheese of like he meet, he sees her from across the room and is singularly obsessed with her and then is like even figuring out oh man I'm never gonna get her if I do it do things this way and it, and JC's like well yeah, the first thing you got to do is actually talk to her man like you know? <laughs> <laughs> like she's this like yeah, object words. she's just this like unapproachable object and then you know at least you once you kind of get to do more with her. Um, you know, learning more about her. It's just, you know, I don't know how deep the character is, but I really enjoyed Jill um, as Cynthia or Cindy um, uh, in it. It was great. Yeah, I'm surprised um, she didn't, her career was really like over by the early 90s. And <clears throat> I think she married and had kids and, and just stopped acting. But I, looking back on it now, I wish she, I wish she had hung around. Yeah. 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 Yeah, uh, but it's cool to have you know the imagery of her too with that flamethrower is just so much fun. Like, <laughs> I just love how she just took charge at the end. Yeah. Um, we see we see a couple of other familiar faces. We see the legendary Dick Miller who just passed away uh, in this film. Yeah, and of course he's he's another horror icon. I mean, been in probably you know over a hundred movies, most of them horror movies and. Uh, it's always <laughs> fun, and, and he's what the weapons. Uh, he like what? Do you, what do you, I forget what you call that? Where he's the um, the uh, uh, master of arms the, or the something? Ar- the armory, like he runs the armory. The armory, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. He keeps showing up in our in our in reconsideration episodes. Uh, what did we we had we? What was the last thing he just showed up in? Wasn't he? He he didn't even have any lines, right? Was it? Uh, Oh, no. uh, God, I, I, he, he's been in a few things well, he I was think in, that we had. He was in but... Goonies, right? Or not Goonies, Gremlins, right? Gremlins. Yes, Isn't Gremlins, the... of course, yeah. 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 Was it Night of the Living Dead? No. Uh, uh, no, he's not in Return of the Living Dead. Or Returning the Living Dead? Um, uh, this is good. This is good TV. This is good radio. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll just Never cut mind. around it. Well... He's gonna be in more for sure. Yeah, we know that much. But was um, he in used cars? Yeah, he was. Was he in used cars for a second? Is that it? He might have been used cars for a second. Yeah, yeah. He, he, Terminator, was, he was. Terminator, Gremlins, The Burbs. Uh, yeah, we haven't done The Burbs yet. No, you haven't. Yeah. Okay. I mean, That's yeah, he's all in, over. Yeah, year, he's all. Year, he's in tons of. Yeah, exactly. But like, it's nice to see Dick Miller just pop up in in the genre and uh, on the. Sh- he always does too. He always just shows up. Like he's just like, oh, there's Dick Miller. Like he, he never has like a main role. Yeah. <laughs> he's always just a, a like in one scene that's memorable, or you know, he's in a little bit more like Gremlins. But um, you know, and he's a big Joe Dante guy, so he's in a lot of Joe's Joe's movies. All uh, right, right. He, um, he is in Used Cars. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So that was it. That was the last one he was in. That's right. <laughs> 
Uh, let's see. We also got Suzanne Snyder, who's one of the sorority girls. Uh, she was also in Weird, Sci- uh, Weird Science and, um, you know, pops up a lot throughout the 80s. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then you guys probably won't recognize him, but I sure did. One of the frat boys is an actor named John J. York. Does anybody know one project that he was the lead of? Maybe a maybe an, an, a 1987 Fox uh, series that I love so much? Is that V? No. No. All right, I'm just making things up. Parker Lewis can't lose. It's uh, it's no, but close. It's it's Werewolf. John J. York oh. is uh, one of the frat boys. You'll you only see him for a second, like like getting on the bus. Mm. But you know he's got a dialogue. He's got some dialogue. Uh, but he is uh, the lead in Werewolf. Which I swear one day we're going to talk about on this show. We just, I'm not we just, just going to keep alluding to it. We just talked about it on this show. We just talked about it. <laughs> Wrap it up. Well, no, we're going to talk like a whole show about it. I mean, <laughs> I still haven't seen it. You still haven't. I, I like you. I remember you talking about it very often in college. Um, well, when the yeah, when you the never time showed comes, me, you never showed yeah. me a single episode. Okay. Well, we're going to watch the pilot. So when the time comes that we can all physically be in the same space, whenever that is, the very first thing we're going to do is watch Werewolf. All right. But then I'm requesting <laughs> that after we finish the Werewolf Marathon, we then watch Manimal. Oh, agreed. God. Agreed. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, my God. Uh so yeah, we talked about you know. There's obviously a lot of homages in this film. There's uh, you know the love for the '50s B movies is very prevalent in the first uh, 10, 15 minutes. To me, like the movie that jumped out when I was watching it, like this, it felt like the Blob. Have you guys seen the Steve McQueen Blob, the original one? Absolutely, it's great. I, yeah, I have not. Well, it's on. Uh, it it's on. It's an. It's part of the Criterion Collection, David. That means it's a well-established and respected film. Okay. This is the very the authority on well the opening to that is films. (laughs) Um, You know, very similar opening with uh, you know an alien, you know, absolutely thing coming rocketing down, and and then the teenage the fifties teenager investigating, and then it kind of launches itself uh, onto society, but. so that was the one that really jumped out to me. And then, of course, Plan 9, the, the house mother is watching that, and I think it's mentioned yep. another time um, in the sorority house. So you've got that. You've got uh, – there's a couple of other just visual references um, that are very subtle. Uh, did you guys catch the Jaws reference? I don't know if I did. What was the Jaws reference? So in, in the first time we see, like, older Ray Cameron when he's – having his dream and he's on the beach in that like white tuxedo with the bikini girls walking around and uh when he sees his former girlfriend in the water the way they cut that scene is exactly it's like almost shot for shot um when roy scheider's on the beach in jaws and he's you know it's like when they've opened the beaches up and everyone's going in the water for the first time and he's like super nervous just watching everybody and it's it's the way it's cut together um is identical to that I mean, so that was that was a cool little moment decker's That's a cool. genius man like he's got all sorts of easter eggs in this movie he's got all sorts of stuff going on he really does he, he tarantino's the hell out of this movie i mean this is <laughs> like and i think in a masterful way i think he 
he it's outright theft of shit from all over the place and it and it and it's with he's doing it with you know in in honor of all of it but mm-hmm. i mean it all works it's somehow just the the combination of everything it's like he doesn't there's no half measures here he goes the he goes all in um like i think it's it's kind of like it's it's like i said masterful the way he does it i don't know i really i'm i'm so impressed yeah. with it What's well, a lot? Well, there's it's a difference a lot to, between. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. I was just gonna say it's a lot to keep like straight, right? Like it's just a lot to keep balanced, and like he was able to kind of navigate through it and like lay all this stuff in and like multiple, like several different layers, and like yeah, like 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 we've been saying, like it works. It works. It works really well. Like it's a fun, fun movie. Hmm. Yeah, and there's a difference between homages and theft. Uh, you know, I think what he's doing here is certainly more of an homage than just like lifting something for the sake of like taking that good idea. No, but for I sure. mean, I think it's a loving, loving thing. I don't think it's like I don't mean theft right. in, in a in a negative connotation here. I mean, I just it's it's I mean it's it's like Tarantino, like same thing. Like it's mm-hmm. he takes he takes the things that he loves and then puts them in his movies and. Um, and it, so it adds these additional layers and it really works. So, you know, I don't, I don't mean thieve, theft as in like he's stealing it cause he's uncreative. Uh, right, I, right, right. I just mean like, you know, just why not, why imitate, just do it. <laughs> cause yeah, mm-hmm. he's got that, the Hitchcock zoom thing, right. I mean, that, that Spielberg yep. didn't just as well. Right. Like, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, and it, it's cool. It's, that's all. I mean, that's always a great shot. And how good does Tom Atkins look in that white suit? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> the great suit. It's like great the best suit. he's ever looked. Great suit. Classic. Um, there's also a, a very subtle uh, Mad Max uh, reference when the bus of the, uh, of the jocks and the, the frat boys that crashes, mm-hmm. they do this zoom in on the bus driver's face that's very much, uh, you know, a, a dummy but uh, it's it's the same shot they do in Mad Max towards the end of that movie with with uh, ah. one of the main characters from that so um yeah that that was cool that was definitely like you had to you had to know Mad Max to to get that one yeah i was wondering what that was cuz it's very specific that it changes from like a person to a fake person and like with the eyes right. and all that and i'm like what is that that's interesting <laughs> that i wasn't yeah. familiar with so again super cool um Let's talk about the effects, though. I uh, I had a really fun time with the effects in this movie. It seemed like one of those, like God, this had to be fun to make. Like what specifically? Like the 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 heads splitting open, or just the slugs? Yeah, all that, like everything. The the you know the the slugs themselves, and you know the way they did the effects. And yeah, and the heads yeah. exploding. It, it's um. The you know the head effects guy was David Miller who also uh, had done Nightmare on Elm Street, mm-hmm. uh, but he's assisted by uh, some of KNB Effects, who is one of the or not, was probably one of the main you know uh, special effects companies in in the business in, throughout the eighties and nineties. But it's Robert Kurtzman and Howard Berger, which is the K and the B of KNB. Mm-hmm. Greg Nicotero. Uh, was not who's a big time director now and the walking dead is like his show um i don't think 
you know, people say he's Greg Nicotero's in this movie, and uh, but I don't think he actually is, and it looks like it was just Kurtzman and and Berger helping out on this one as well. Mm. Yeah, I think the but they're also, you know, yeah, it looks good, right? Oh yeah. I mean, they it you know part of what sells this as a cult thing is that it's all like practical effects, and you know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's some of the it's some of the same gags that were also being used at that at the same at that time you know like with some of the dawn of the dead and and i mean again to go back to return of the living dead things like that but yeah they work and i think the slug effects are are you know although a little repetitive um you know well done i think i think uh it i think it all plays really well the zombie cat is freaking awesome yeah. you know <laughs> yep so it's you know it's just all it's a tight tight movie yeah yeah and and you can tell look you can tell the space the the slugs are like pulled by wire and they're motorized and um but i think that just adds to the charm of the movie yeah uh but the the thing i think though there there's a lot of good shots where i was like ooh that's creepy like they do a good job like it doesn't it does the slugs always don't look that, that fake in a sense like you kind of buy mm-hmm. you got you kind of buy right. into the creepiness because they're so quick and they can go, um, but yeah, no, I I am with you. Like it, there there is a charm to the whole thing, uh, and it's all visually mm-hmm. consistent. Uh, and and Kurtzman and Berger too. You see them as two of the uh, frat boys as well. You see them in a, in a number of shots. So oh really? Uh, that's the evidence that it was the two of them really working on this one. How oh, funny! I didn't realize Mr. Berger was in in the movie. That's one of the guys. Oh yeah, you're. Uh, he's a friend of yours, isn't he? I I've worked with him, so he's he's and 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 I I didn't really know who he was, and in terms of his reputation and and career, uh, but one of the loveliest guys I've ever met. I mean, just awesome, just fantastic, very f- and hysterical, just real smart, really funny, right? Just re- and really nice. Uh, That's good to hear. I like Howard. <laughs> He's one of those guys. If I if I had worked with him, or you know, maybe I will at some point, then I would have uh, definitely geeked out and had to you know fanboy on him a little bit. Oh, I'm sure he would have loved it actually. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I, I think well, he would the next time you next next time you run across him, David, you gotta you gotta talk to him about Night of the Creeps. Let him know that he's got he's got a few fans. For sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'll have to let him know. You know, and there was a couple of moments in this movie that I did kind—I did find kind of scary. That did come across more horror than the horror comedy. Um, you know, when the movie starts, it's like the whole part with the aliens. It's like, is this funny? Like, is—is is this a comedy? Am like, I watching the right movie? Here? I don't. Uh, but I then, don't know. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I didn't. You know, when I first watched this, like, I didn't know about the alien nope. part at all. So I did think, like, wait a minute, is what what is going on here? <laughs> um, but then when you get to, you know, fast forward ten minutes, when you know you see Pam in the car and her boyfriend's off in the woods and he's you know investigating the 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 slugs, um, and when you see the axe murderer, which is a whole other yeah. like subplot that just comes out of nowhere, like this axe murderer happens to be on the loose the same night that this. Artif- you know this whatever this alien thing crashes all in the same town mm-hmm. by the way um, 
you know that shot where like he's creeping up to the car and you as the viewer you know he's coming and you're waiting for it and it's slow and Pam is just calling her boyfriend with her back to the axe murderer but then you know when he swings like and the way they cut like he's swinging hard <laughs> you know like I don't know where that actor's target was but you know I'm obviously I'm sure the actress was fine but uh but that looked real like that moment I was like oh you know like oh, it got me oh, for oh, a goodness. second yeah it was really effective yeah and I guess that's probably like one of the only like true like horror movie kind of moments you know that really works on the horror level mm-hmm. yeah I don't know I really like that scene it's just that that whole when I think back of it, like I just laugh at like the convergence of all these different things happening yeah. simultaneously. Like, <laughs> yeah, just uh, makes me laugh. <laughs> Alien, axe murder, zombie, uh, stuff all at once in one town. Uh, that's that's yeah. what that's what's great. Like you know the the radio was playing to like a you know to just slightly foreshadow it in the beginning. Like oh, and then, and then there's mm-hmm. an escape from the asylum, and the radio goes off. And then you still get a few minutes before, you know, any of that happens. But I was like, "Ooh, cool!" Yeah. Like, <laughs> like I, I love where this is going. There's just so much stuff here, just crammed in here. <laughs> Give me everything. Mm-hmm. I loved it. I love that stuff. Um, I loved. Uh, I loved also how uh, we see David Paymer in the in the you know near the cryogenic yep, chamber yep. or the morgue, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I love how they just have this town just has the cryogenic chamber. This. Walt Disney reference yeah. uh, going on there that like like who how did that happen who saved all, it well, this all guy? small all small yeah, towns yeah in the they 50s don't go into a cryogenic it. chamber right like isn't that the thing <laughs> yeah, yeah right <laughs> like they would have had to have known that the guy was infected and then didn't say anything and then froze him and then like and then kept him on ice for thirty years. And, and and it's at this college campus. <laughs> like, what's yeah. going on here? <laughs> it's so bizarre. Yeah, like, like there's got to be, got. I guess you know. All right, let's talk about the Night of the Creeps cinematic universe because let's. you could do a prequel that is between that's set between the flashback and this movie. Sure. So, yeah. like, yeah, what? How did they? What was the next thing that happened after the axe murderer? killed Pam uh, you know how did they find this guy how, someone knew obviously knew he was infected and how did they come up with this chamber and why in this school it's insane mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah and then and then what um, and Cameron has his own story with taking out the axe murderer and burying him so he's and he so he's not even involved with this like the boyfriend part of it like he doesn't even know like that person right. exists Uh it's, right. It's so bananas. Yeah, he's, he's caught. Like, he's, he's caught up he's, in his he's, own. He's, he's just his orbiting. own loop. His own little world of of the axe massacre. Not even. Yeah. yeah. Well, he basically goes on a revenge, you know, spree where he, you know, it, it looks like he has hunted down, uh, you know, done his own vigilante just justice and hunted down the axe murderer and yeah. killed it. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, like you said, buried him under the, isn't it under the uh, or in the side yard of the yeah, of the you know, sorority that's house? Where you bury yeah. axe murderers? So he... Under it was underneath the <laughs> the house mother's the... house, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Not in the woods no, no. or anything. I mean, it's just like the next to the college yeah. building. Like... Yeah. <laughs> Nobody would have seen him do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
So then he's like, he's already gotten revenge, but he's his character never gets over right. the loss. Right. So he's, you know, Brent, like you were saying, just stuck in this loop forever. And it, it's, you know, did you, you, you caught the like, that oh, he was yeah. mid-suicide attempt I, I, in one it, of those It hit scenes, me like right? two yeah. minutes after. I was like, why is he turning off the stove? And then, and then we got into the next scene. I'm like, oh, oh. shit. Like he, and he had the duct tape on the doors. Like he was straight up trying to kill himself. That was another thing in this movie, as mm-hmm. as this movie likes to do, come out of left field, throwing curveballs. That one was another one where I was like, "Whoa, that's a yeah. different, that's a new, that's a new layer, that's a new thing." So yeah, I was, I it took yeah. me a minute to catch oh, wow. that, but I was like, "Holy crap, that's what's happening!" And then it makes the ending like, "Oh, okay, I get what he's, you know, like he's going full circle now, you know." But oh yeah. At least the ending that I saw. I don't know what all yeah. the other endings are, but the one that I saw. Um. You know, yeah. so yeah, it was it was interesting, but it took me a second to to kind of realize, or for it to dawn on me what what was happening in that scene. I wonder also how many cigarettes that Tom Atkins has smoked <laughs> on on camera. Oh my god, he has. Uh, he, there's one burning in his hand the entire time, right? Yeah, yeah. And in a lot, I mean, in a lot of his movies too, he's always that smoking cop or doctor. It's just you know one of his uh things so gotta, um, gotta have something to do with your hands you gotta <laughs> love gotta love those smoking doctors yeah. <laughs> uh and his dialogue too is so great i mean he's got at least three catchphrases if not more in this movie um uh and and it's a bummer too because i wish i had i had caught this movie earlier because ray cameron was not present in our 80s top cop tournament earlier this year right yeah. and i feel very upset about that yeah he definitely would have been in there he would have been a a, a good seed in there Had we i would have voted for him like all the way just to you know if it was john mcclain against ray cameron i would have gone ray cameron just oh, for the hell of it i love it yeah that's bold that's pretty bold that's <laughs> bold <laughs> well he gets it done you know he proved it here uh, <laughs> yeah but uh that thrill me line just i i lost it when i heard that that just cracked me up <laughs> it's pretty great i love it i'm taking it you're taking, I'm taking you're it you're using it's it now you're it's your new line with it thrill me <laughs> thrill me <laughs> imagine that if you knew somebody who actually seriously said that that'd be hilarious yeah i'm just gonna pick be. up my phone thrill me um it's miller time though that's another one yeah. Such a random, it's so random. <laughs> I know. Was that like Miller? That was like Miller, the Miller, Miller beer slogan at the time, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, for sure. Just, yeah. Just taking the, the, the quote from the, from the commercials. I but I think I everyone says say it out of nowhere. It's Miller time. Like, everyone loved that <laughs> phrase. I think in the time. Um, um he uses wonderful a lot like that's i wouldn't say that's a catchphrase but that's just something one of his responses that he says i think multiple times but then so does chris so that's that's maybe that's a decorism oh saying wonderful Um, the uh and then of course you know i've got good news and bad news yeah you know lion is just you know that's that's obviously for the trailer but uh that was uh that was great great delivery (laughs) 
there's there's so many moments of funny that that i mean his lines particularly but like that scene where he walks in to the cryogenic place where you know where the the dead body is and then there's just the shot of like the body on the floor and then or no you you see the coroner or whatever put his bag down and open it next to the mm-hmm. body and there's nothing in it but then there's just a sandwich and then it pans up yeah. and then he's eating the sandwich over the body and it's so it's so subtle like it's it's so yeah. and it's so random it's almost it's just like on the point of absurdity like what he brought he brought his sandwich to the murder site and he's eating it over the body well he's eating every time you see him he's eating yeah i mean yeah and he yeah. And, and he's trying to like have these zingers and one-liners that yeah. <laughs> that cameron is not a fan of <laughs> he's just not enjoying yeah. this this guy at all <laughs> like everything's a joke yeah. to this guy and it's just a, a silly little thing like it's a nice contrast to like him being the serious detective cop. Like, uh, I, I, I enjoy that little color, uh, for the, for the police in the movie. Yeah. Um, how do you guys like Brad as the, uh, you know, the head kind of frat boy and Cynthia's uh, boyfriend, I guess when the movie starts, uh, he certainly he's... nailed some douchey douche factor. Yeah. Like he's, yeah, He's like just dripping in, in douchiness, but you know, like he's uh, for for what it is the stereotypical '80s uh, frat captain or whatever. Yeah, he's uh, he's pulling it off. Yeah, he he ranks pretty high on the '80s dickhead meter. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, he's a bit of a douche. Um, but I I <laughs> didn't know where I recognized him from, but he's. He was, and not that I watched a lot of Mama's Family back in the day, but I was like, "Why do I know this guy?" But he was. Oh, is that him? Yeah, he played Bubba on on. Uh, oh Mama's my Family. God, that's right. Yeah, so, uh, so so to see him play like this total jerkwad, <laughs> and then, it's <laughs> a uh, but being familiar of him is like playing Bubba. Um, this is uh, it's a funny it's a funny thing. But I like I, uh, the. I like uh, you go ahead. I just I, I I liked him uh because you enjoy there's nothing like great there's nothing good about him so it's like if he's going to die or whatever you know which eventually he does uh it's like all right cool good <laughs> yeah yeah he doesn't he doesn't like last that long and uh I think he got he got what was coming to him pretty pretty well yeah what do you guys think about the um <laughs> I was uh, so I was nervous about that bathroom scene. Uh, what direction that was going to go? Because I've you know I've seen some horror movies that are that I'm okay you know skipping the bathroom scenes, but mm-hmm. <clears throat> I thought this one was kind of a good mix of like funny, like Brent, what you were saying with the matches <laughs> <laughs> when JC is cornered in the in the bathroom stall. <laughs> Guys, the bathroom scene but then is, also... is the most important scene of the whole movie because. <laughs> Yeah, it's where they find out how they kill the slugs with super super matches. Right. So <laughs> without the super matches and the and the flames, you can't kill the slugs. So it's it's. I mean, it, the whole matches. the whole thing the whole thing rides on the bathroom scene. Yeah, that's true. And poor uh, poor JC, you know, he 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 does the typical sidekick thing where you know they're gonna get it halfway through the movie yeah yeah bathroom scenes are he tough because they can be so claustrophobic and everything and you don't know what's going to happen i mean it's a 
it's a nice tool in the arsenal uh for like doing horror scenes so um but I, you know the fact that it's like he almost could get away he almost thought he was gonna get away and even when you don't see yeah. him for a little while i was like oh maybe he figures out a way to like survive this or we're gonna see him again and maybe he can be saved and then yeah you know he leaves the the, the audio note and uh and then it's, then he's just yeah. a dead body like you don't they, but they it's good like they don't even have the they don't even show his face you know afterwards so you don't have to remember him as uh in that like in a right. horrific way like he's just you just see his right. body yeah. face down so i think that was a nice way to to keep it to keep him kind of like clean of all the, the horror of it mm-hmm. and yeah. you get a little monster squad reference too in that did you guys see that oh n- no wait where uh on the bathroom wall yeah on the wall yeah oh yeah. what what does it say it's I think it just says "Go Monster Squad" That's um, right. on the on the bathroom wall. So, you know, tying the Decker universe together a little bit. Oh That's boy! Right. Um, but yeah, JC is. Uh, this is you're right. This is kind of the key moment here because somehow JC is able to survive like long enough that he can get back to their dorm room and <laughs> record that message for Chris. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> So whereas everyone else is immediately like zombified, he makes it. Do they ever really explain how the zombie slug thing works? I mean, I know that the slugs, you know, they they um, kind of attack you and and kind of enter in through your mouth, and I'm assuming attack the brain. Well, it's mm-hmm. like it's like one slug, and then uh, several instances in the film, like somebody falls down, their head explodes, and you know, fifteen slugs shoot out uh, to go, you know, kind of become a parasite in and in another host. But like, mm-hmm. how does it actually work? How quickly does it do you turn once you swallow the slug? Like, what's? Uh, yeah, I don't know. They they really didn't establish rules or like the how any of this is happening. Yeah, um, they did not do that. No. Yeah, but I guess the brains they can multiply by feeding off brains. I'm assuming, and that's. Yeah, I'm assuming something like that. Something like that. Yeah. Um, it's pretty. Yeah, that that audio note from JC. I mean, like you know, he he had enough strength to make it back, and he and he told him he's like, I walked. I I could walk. I was like, this is so sad. Like this. This yeah, thing. Um, it's heartbreaking. Yeah, it's a it's a really great way to do it instead of like doing it like in front of him, you know, like talking to him, and it's just yeah. this creepy like note from the past. I mean, it was like from the last you know hour, but it's like this thing this this thing happened, and he, everyone was helpless for it, and then but JC was still able to like you know get the message out and give him the the clue he needed. Um, uh, uh, yeah, and then he like crawled off and you know crawled off to die by alone by himself it's really it really is heartbreaking yeah yeah he knew how to kill them so he went down to the boiler room to to, to take them out mm-hmm. so he he was the strongest character yeah. in in the film since he was able to yeah to do it uh yeah oh ah, jc so while that's happening to jc we've got this uh, you know great scene between ray cameron and chris where ray is kind of revealing uh his backstory to chris and and really like letting it letting it out like the deep level of his almost psychosis is Mm -hmm. (laughs) but um right they it's 
It's the way he's telling that story to Chris and the look on Tom Atkins' face, you know, that vacant look in his eyes that he's just lost in this memory. And, um, you know, he keeps saying close, close to, to Chris when Chris will respond. And, like, the, that's not matching, like, whatever Chris is actually saying. It's it's just a hilarious little moment there. <laughs> um, but, uh yeah, so that's where that's where Chris is while this whole thing's going down with JC and why he's not with him. Yeah, I like when Chris right. like says says to him after like other than confessing to a murder to me, is there a reason you're telling me this story? <laughs> like <Yeah. laughs> just this like you realize you just confessed to murdering a, a, a random person. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> and it's such a weird well, scene when you realize what he's doing. Like, oh my god, he's he's laying it all out there. Yeah, so, I mean, and that's the same. Is isn't that the same scene where we find out that he's trying to kill himself? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, right. So I like, think... he's just trying to he's just trying to purge all his all his feelings before he offs himself, right? Like, is that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, he's going through some hard times. Yeah, tough life for uh, for old Ray Cameron, mm-hmm. but um, he's not quite done yet. Yeah, so then it's prom night, right? And uh, or not prom night. It's um, you know they're they're all getting dressed up and everything's kind of converging on the sorority house and uh, <laughs> the, the bus crash with the uh, with the frat boys is kind of hilarious and that that um, yeah the uh, zombie cat that that was referenced a few times earlier in the movie as, right. as the sorority house cat. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, there's like a great '80s montage of like getting ready with your formal wear, yeah, like, uh, yeah. yeah, for the men and the women, like putting on their cummerbunds, <laughs> like, and the nice dresses. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, and then so everything kind of goes to hell, and everything converges there. <clears throat> this is where because JC or not JC, Chris has the flamethrower first, correct? Yeah. Well, right, because they go to the police station and um, get the right. get, get the flamethrower because it's you know every police station should have a flamethrower. A flamethrower, sure. um, single flamethrower. So, yeah. So uh, under under force, they take the flamethrower from the police station and and head on over to take care of business. Yeah, but it's Cynthia, like we talked about, who's really the one who takes charge here and. And and she, like her and Chris are out front, kind of defending, and Ray's inside with the rest of the sorority girls, mm-hmm. and um, <laughs> that's when he delivers the "I've got good news and I've got bad news" line, yeah, uh, which is great. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, the scene in the tool shed, which is probably the most action-heavy scene of the movie, yeah, uh, that was actually added later uh that wasn't part of the main production and after some test screenings uh the studio wanted more action so they went back and filmed and added that scene really do you know what the original cut was was like where they were coming no i no i don't know where like how what the pacing would have been without that scene because it feels like it feels like it was always there but i can see you know it is sort of a separate thing yeah, I mean it fits in really well. I mean it definitely, you know, mm-hmm. like there's the the comedy aspect of it, you know, hiding from zombies in the smallest possible uh rinky dink shed you could you could find. Yeah, that's tiny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> and then um, and then that gruesome murder i just like yeah through a uh it's like a sam raimi kind of shot i think kind of with the with uh, the lawnmower going after the guy oh yeah right that's that's got to be one of the best deaths of the movie oh for sure yeah yeah oh that's brutal what a what a way to go yeah so that's that's going on on the outside of the house and then inside you've got ray trying to fend off um you know zombies uh left and right and there's that amazing dolly shot where ray just goes (laughs) nuts yeah (laughs) and it's a spinning shot where he's spinning around the room and shooting all the zombies and blowing their heads off and just but he's like on the dolly so you're the camera's moving with him it's it's a it's a beautiful shot Mm -hmm. yeah it's great i mean it's a fantastic shot it is so over the top and and outlandish in the moment but it's great like it works really i mean it's it's very it's very funny well based on what we've seen too it seemed like like almost hopeless for ray to be able to like just shoot them and they they would all survive based on what we'd already seen so it but then it's just like it's his rage that (laughs) that comes out and then you know we we come back later uh to see that you know he successfully defended the house uh on Mm -hmm. the inside and uh like yeah, you know, he's, like, he's he's the hero. I feel like when we cut back to that scene, so it's all very like, uh, it feels like he's being overrun by zombies, and then when we cut back, I feel like there's only like two zombies, or like, it's him, and it seems very empty in the room. <laughs> like it's just him, and like <laughs> one one dead person like laying next to him, for for all the action that transpired to get us to that point. But uh, you know, it's I I. Part of the reason I love this movie is because there are those little moments where it doesn't quite match up with what I would expect to see. Yeah. Well, and then you find out, like, in what is it, in the basement where all the slugs have sort of converged. Yeah. That, it's like um, a slug, slug that, ball. Slug yeah, ball. that was nasty. That was yeah. gross. It was. Yeah. <laughs> but this is where, you know, Ray's going to have his his comeuppance and his and is really his most heroic turn like this is he's gonna he's gonna sacrifice himself and he you know he has that wink with chris and it's like kind of the passing of i don't know if it's a passing of the torch but it's like you you get to do what i couldn't and you get to you get to you know help save the girl and 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 you guys get to live together i didn't have that so you know this is this is his uh payback yeah and i'm at peace you know like i'm at peace with this decision like this is Mm -hmm. this is how it was supposed to be yeah and uh you know that brings us to the the various endings of the movie and there's a theatrical cut which um you know was one released in theaters and then the director's cut which is i think every on every home video version but brent what what was the ending that you saw all right so the version i saw was um Ray blows up the house, right? And mm-hmm. and you think everybody's kind of, uh, or all the all the slugs have been killed, and then you <clears> cut to, um, kind of Ray's burnt body walking through the streets, and then he kind of falls down, and and um, I think his head pops open, and more slugs kind of come out, and then it cuts to again like the aliens are now like flying over a field or the forest like shooting 
like a searchlight looking for things and and they fly off and it go, it cuts to to the credits right okay so that so i i think we probably all saw that same version which is okay. the director's cut is that what you saw david yeah same thing and i think the slugs are going into a cemetery so to feed that's right yes yes sorry i missed the, exactly right yeah so totally sets up the perfect sequel with the yep. alien ship with like when it was a cool looking ship like a big like yeah, cl- yeah. chunky design like it's like ooh, i want to watch that alien movie now <laughs> i know and i love how i love how it just ends with like the ship hovering over with the searchlight looking yeah. i'm totally yes it leads very open for a sequel but i was waiting for like okay they're gonna come down and either collect that specimen back or or what but uh right. it just ends before anything else happens yeah right so what are the um, other versions? The, so the theatrical ending is, you know, there's the explosion and you have your happy ending with with uh, Chris and Cynthia where they kiss out in front of the house. But then you see the cat, uh, you know, the cat kind of come up and approach them and Cynthia goes to like pet the cat and, and then a space, you know, a slug like, jumps out of oh, jumps really? out of the cat and into Cynthia's mouth and that's where it ends. Was it the dog? Or is it the dog? Sorry, yeah. not the cat. But yeah. yeah. But I I kinda like the yeah, the director's told... ending. <laughs> I like the alien ship. I think that's, yeah. I'm that's on, fine. Yeah. I'm on the same page. Yeah, I think that's the stronger ending. I think um you know, I, I think ultimately they didn't like the super downer ending. I think they wanted it a little more open ended, let's say. Yeah. I, I, I can see from a from a studio perspective saying yeah just go with this so you, you can kind of just set up a you give it you get a jump scare at the end and uh, right you know you could say that could that's what people will be talking about more like oh wow should they I don't know and it still sets up well they're a going they the studio wanted that Carrie and and Friday the Thirteenth kind of jump scare ending so that was yeah. you know they saw that as the big like that's how you end a horror movie and. For this particular one, I don't think that was the right tone. I think uh, Decker right. got it right with the director's cut. Yeah, yeah. And clearly, like if that's so, when did the director's cut get released? I think when it came on. Well, definitely when it came on DVD, it was the director's cut. Uh, I, I'm not sure exactly where along the way it sort of transitioned to that. But that's the one that you can find. Okay. I mean, you can in the extra features you can see the the original theatrical ending, but it looks like it was mostly replaced on everything by now. Yeah, yeah. like the director's cut basically became the official ending, I guess. You know, right going forward, right? right? I mean, there's a two Blu-ray, uh, yeah. two disc Blu-ray set of this that came out a few years ago, I think. <laughs> which yeah. I'd, be, I'd be intrigued. Like, how do you fill up two Blu-rays with this movie and special features and stuff like that? There's a lot of love. There's a lot of love out there. Yeah, there's probably some documentaries on it and stuff. Like, I'm assuming, like, yeah, multiple documentaries and interviews and all that stuff. So, which there is some interviews mm-hmm. on the the DVD, um, which are interesting. Uh, you know, everyone just all the all the actors just enjoying their what they had done and all that. It's it's, it's mm-hmm. nice, they, and they have such a, an affection for it. And I can see like. I could see why they would like, oh yeah, maybe a sequel because it's just like, hey, we had so much fun doing this together. Let's just do, you know, you just sort of talk like, oh, wouldn't it be great if we could do it all again uh, and all that. But um, 
I'm sure like they keep, yeah. they hit the cons and the horror fests and stuff and just have a great time oh, yeah. with each other and being friends over this movie. It's such sure. a nice it's such a nice thing. Like it it gets to exist <clears> as this <throat> thing that like they can still appreciate as the actors in it and the fans who like truly embrace it and yeah it and it's it's so not mainstream it just gets to be this little thing between all of them i think that's really cool yeah it's it's i mean really like you have the fans to thank for resurrecting the movie and and bring you know demanding the screenings and the you know supporting it at the you know the horror cons and everything and and uh it's amazing because you know tristar really mismarketed the movie that you know we talked about earlier that they thought it was a pure horror movie and they the poster they came up with the original one that got released was this you know zombie hand like reaching through uh you know reaching through like around a window to unlock a door and it really resembled the poster for the movie house which had come out like a year before this Hmm. and you know the producers of the movie um were like guys like this is not this is not the the poster you should be using it's you're insinuating like pure horror movie this is not that movie um because it just recalled the house image so much yeah which is a cool looking poster right. but that is more of a horror movie yeah. um so it was misguided to begin with and uh, you know I, I i think it came out you know, I, I think they should have held this closer to Halloween. It comes out, um, I guess, let's talk a little box office while we're here now. Um, it comes out August 22nd, 1986. It uh, Opening weekend, it opens up at number 26. Oh, boy. So, yeah. Uh, wow. Right between A Room with a View, which is in week 25, and The Boy Who Could Fly. Um, oh. Yeah, it opened up against Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Uh, so, you know, that was the the other new release that weekend. And obviously, like, that, while, while that's a whole movie worth covering by itself, um, you know, that was the bigger release. And, and especially opening up right. two competing horror movies, you know, it's not, it didn't work out for Night of the Creeps. Opening weekend, it brought in a whole. Uh, 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 sorry, the budget I think was about five million dollars for the movie. Opening weekend, it brought in a whopping two hundred and twenty thousand dollars. Ah, bummer! Holy shit! And yeah. the grand total run was only five hundred and ninety-one thousand. Uh, and that's why. And that's why. That's why you never saw some of these actors again. And that's why. Yeah. Some of them at the time went to TV. Because back then, when your when your movies failed, like that was kind of your next option, right? Right. Because right. it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't as seamless as it is now, where people bounce between TV and yeah. and, and film and things like yeah. that. Yeah. So I can't imagine. Uh, you this, know, yeah, that's like, that's too I bad. I can't imagine this was on a lot of theaters, though. Like, I mean, I feel like they probably didn't distribute it that wide. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I don't think it went that wide, so it, it really didn't. It was sort of dead on arrival. Um, yeah. You know, the top five at the box office that weekend was The Fly, Stand By Me, Aliens, Top Gun, and Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. So, uh, you know, uh, that's a lot of big movies up there, and yeah. this is not going to compete with it's those. A tough lineup. Yeah. 
Um, it ends up in 1986 at ranking at number 185, so way towards the bottom. Um, yeah. And, you know, Fred Decker really was, was lucky because by the time this movie came out, he was already making Monster Squad. So uh, he, fortunately for himself, had segued. But, you know, Decker's career, you know, what didn't, didn't go that well. I mean, Monster Squad was not a hit, and then he did RoboCop 3, which was not a hit, and a, you know, kind of a famous bomb. Mm. So a lot of his movies yeah. are, are not doing well. He's having more success as a screenwriter. Uh, you know, he works with Shane Black a lot, um, whether he's credited or not, uh, on Lethal Weapon. He helps out a little with Predator. They had a script called Shadow Company that was being developed for John Carpenter to direct to starring Kurt Russell. It was going to come out in 1989 about this um, shadow company was this, you know, this this group in Vietnam of these, you know, these super soldiers who were who were killed and now they've come back as zombies. Uh, so that feels like what might have been a great Carpenter Kurt Russell movie. I would I would yeah. love that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And how that what 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 happened with that one? It just died. I think it just it's, it's just, one of those that died, and you know Kurt was obviously a big star by this point, and um, it was probably just in kind of development hell, and then Kurt was never available, and then they all kind of moved on. So uh, right. Fred Decker did get involved with uh, Tales from the Crypt, so you know he has some success there, and I think he's involved with uh, one of the Star Trek shows later on. I can't remember if it was um, Voyager or Enterprise, one of them. But I think it was but, Enterprise um, for a year. Or a yeah. Too. Yeah. But um, so he ends up floating around and he's still, you know, we talked about him a little bit on our The Predator episode, mm -hmm. uh, the the big time reunion of Black and, and Decker uh, for the uh, Predator sequel that was just another miss as Oof. far as I'm concerned, but mm -hmm. um, I, I'd be curious to see uh, their cut of the movie, what that would look like. Oh, like the original? Yeah, because yeah, sure. like that, it turns out that movie was so wildly different in the beginning, like what they had originally shot, and yeah, they altered, yeah. altered yeah, the storylines and like who lived and how people died and, yep. and act, entire action sequences are, are cut and, and, and new sequences were filmed, like sounds like a crazy that that we were so like so scratching our heads when we went to see that movie and did an episode you know our, of our reaction episode and we're just like this doesn't even make sense like why did they do it like this and then you read later yeah. like how much had been altered it's like oh that explains a lot <laughs> yeah well um, my and my initial reaction was kind of I, I was pretty hard on uh on on Shane Black and Fred Decker for it was kind of, I, I was kind of putting the blame on them but it didn't come out for I think a few weeks went by before it was like oh no there's yeah all wasn't well in in the creative side here so yeah um i'd be curious what their version yeah, of the movie would bad. be same yeah it would be nice to see because what was released is garbage <laughs> it's too bad it's like you know fred decker just seems like overall kind of misunderstood or maybe like ahead of his time on some of these things well you know I mean, for for this movie, for sure. I think this movie was way ahead of its time yeah. and probably needed to sit idle without people seeing it for years and years for for it to really... Let it digest. Um, 
find an audience, yeah. you know, which is, I mean, I, I do think if I had seen it when I was a kid, I would have really, really liked it. But, but I think for, you know, the general masses, like I, it just was a, you know, not the right time. Mm-hmm. And, and certainly watching it now, like it is hella entertaining yeah. and super funny. And like, there's so many layers of homage going on. I mean, he may have invented the the Easter egg with everything he's got. <laughs> it's it's crazy. Like there's just so much. Um, but it's fun as a as a movie lover and a horror lover and someone who who's you know into this kind of shit. Like it's great. You know. Yeah, I was glad. Uh, I was glad we could finally check this one off. And and uh, I I love that. I think it holds up really well. Um, yeah. I, I think it's a lot of fun, especially you know if you. If you love '80s horror movies and '80s horror comedies, especially like this is this is one of the better ones. I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I had, yeah, I had a lot of fun with this. I don't, I don't really, I don't, I'm not drawn to the sort of the source material of things that you know he's uh, paying homage to, um, but I understand them, you know. Like, so I'm not running out to see those f- kinds of films um, or rent them or anything like that. But I'm aware of them. I've seen, you know, I've seen things uh so like i kind of liked him you know just doing his own remix and having fun with it um like so i was i was thoroughly entertained the whole way i was never i was never bored with it or thought like oh this is so this is so silly or over the top or or just you know or writing it off as dumb like i think the whole thing was like so well done as as a, a singular piece um it just I was I was pleasantly surprised the whole way through. I loved it. That's uh, I was glad to hear that because I I was like I don't think David's gonna like this one, but uh, I'm no. glad to hear that you did have fun with it. No, because it's funny. I mean, the thing is, it's funny. I mean, it's just funny, and it doesn't take itself too seriously. But what it but it it takes its like the origin seriously. It's very mm-hmm. you know, and I like that. I like I like a remix. I like a sort of a you know taking things that exist and and making it your own so um and so i can see that his love for that stuff shines through um seriously like the the way it's like tarantino like the love for this stuff it shows up on screen so Mm -hmm. um i think that's really cool and to do it with this this genre these this mix of genres and 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 stuff i think it's cool well, I think, uh, you know, I think maybe we should hang out with Fred Decker a little bit longer and maybe we should, uh, what do you think? Should we look at, we want to do Monster Squad next? Sure. Yeah, why not? <laughs> Let's, Let's do, do that. It. All right. All right. We got a date then. The three of us and Monster Squad. We'll be the new Monster Squad. <laughs> yeah, I'm 100% <laughs> in. That's, uh, I'm, I'm. That's one of the that's one of the ones Fred Decker did where I where it it sits in it sits in my heart. I love that one. Okay, all right, cool. Well, uh, it'll be interesting to rewatch it and and see what we think. You know, compared to the last time whenever we saw that movie. So, yeah. uh, let's do it. We'll hang out with Fred Decker one more week. Okay. For Shocktober, as we continue. Yeah. If we'll, if we're the new Monster Squad, um, I'll be the Virgin of the group. So. <laughs> <laughs> Because you need a you need a virgin. <laughs> Sounds good. Okay, copy that. <laughs> um, 
All right. Well, this was this was fun, guys. This was fun looking back at Night of the Creeps, and yeah, I uh, I think I I got to add it to my collection. I enjoyed it that much. I think I want to make it a part of the uh, wow the home collection. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Wow. Congratulations on your purchase. All right, guys. So uh, before we wrap things up, let's talk about Jack Burton's. What do we think, uh, David? What about you? Where, where do you rank it on our Jack Burton scale of zero to thirteen? With thirteen being uh, you love it as much as you love Kurt Russell. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the, the wild entertainment factor is heavily weighted on this um, uh, for me. So this is this is up there. This is like nine and a half, ten, maybe. Wow, okay. Wow. wow. That's yeah. Considering yeah. what I've ranked lower than that. <laughs> like Wait, this one. so did you rank did you just rank this higher than Teen Wolf? I may have, yeah. I think you did. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> I enjoy Teen Wolf. But is Teen Wolf that fun? I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Brem, what about you? What do you think on the Jack Burtons? Um, you know, so this is a scale of thirteen, right? Yeah. So, man, I would really wish I had seen this movie when I was a kid. If I if if I had seen this movie as a kid, I know that young me would have loved this, and it would probably rank higher. But I think, I think even then, seeing it late, um, it's really really great, and I totally understand why this should live uh, as a cult classic. I I think I would give it probably like a seven point two, maybe. I mean, I think that's still pretty high, but not not yeah. it's not knocking the doors off things. But but I did enjoy it. I, this was a really pleasant surprise. Cool, good. Um, yeah, nice. I'm gonna probably give it a. I'm gonna give it an eight point nine. Um, I I really enjoyed it too. Like, uh, but same thing. It didn't like. I had I had a lot of fun with it, and I love it because of that. It didn't like blow me away and wasn't you know it didn't change my life or anything but it uh uh, it was a lot of fun very rewatchable um you know i could definitely throw this one on whenever it's uh it's it's fun so uh yeah so i I liked it i enjoyed it good stuff yeah all right cool so monster squad it is and uh you know want to say a quick Thank you as we wrap things up to our friends as usual, uh, Curtis Moore for the poster and uh, E.K. Wimmer for the theme music. Uh, as always, uh, it's it's uh, great to have him uh, helping us out. And if you get a chance, uh, check out his podcast, Laser Graves. It's, uh, I don't think he's covered Night of the Creeps. I know he's done Night of the Comet as was their first episode, but um, maybe, maybe I'll get him to cover this one as well. Uh, but... Um, yeah so and check us out on social media we're on we're at reconsideration podcast on facebook instagram twitter uh you can find us on apple Podcasts and podbean stitcher iHeartRadio, spotify all that and anywhere uh you can leave a rating and a review please do so and and that would help the show a lot and get it out there a little bit more we always appreciate the feedback as well um yeah so that's it for Night of the Night of the Creeps, guys. Um, I'm looking forward to uh, what we've got going on all month long here. Shocktober. Um, our Shocktober. <laughs> Shocktober continues. Be careful out there. My favorite. It's a scary My favorite. 
Yeah. All right. Well, it looks like our, our dates are here, so we better get going. And uh, <laughs> There's good news and bad we will news. see you. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the bad news. Um, <laughs> we'll see you next time on Reconsinimation. Thrill me. <laughs> <laughs>